Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hello, Don. J.J., if Story Brand had a catchphrase, what do you think it would be? I would choose, if you confuse, you lose. I would, too. I think that's the one. We don't really have a catchphrase. Uh-uh. But this episode is about statements that sell. Yeah. It's about like putting little <laughs> combinations of words together that, uh-huh. that move mountains. Yes. And we, we're interviewing Ray Edwards. Yes. He's a, one of the world's most famous copywriters. Yeah. He's going to share with us his eight phrases that he uses all the time, over and over. Yeah. Like his a toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and that got me thinking about famous catchphrases. Uh-huh. Like, you know, advertising. Uh-huh. Okay. Remember Lego My Ego? Yes. <laughs> yeah, like- we're we're going to date ourselves seriously. Because <laughs> we're going to start episode. like... Everything oh, yeah. is like from the mid-80s. Everybody under 30 will be like, no, what's that one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one that jumps to my mind is, wada. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you, everybody like started using that. I remember that. that. Oh, it was, were you in high school? Sure. Because we were I'll right at that age. I, was, I don't remember. Was that, I think college it was that maybe, far back. Was it? Wow. Yeah. What's up? Everybody every, started using that. Every like, future frat boy was just doing that <laughs> yes, all the time. exactly. We never stopped. <laughs> About once every 10 times I get out of bed in the morning. If Betsy's going to stay in bed for a minute and uh-huh. I'm going to get up and I say, time to make the donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. Was that Dunkin' Donuts? Yeah, Dunkin' Donuts. Time, time to, to make, make the, the donuts. donuts. Now it's like America runs on Dunkin's, I think is their phrase. But yeah. time to make the donuts was the thing. Yeah, like that's kind of like the, where's the beef? Where's the beef? <laughs> Wendy's. <laughs> yeah. That one was seriously, that had a punch. I love that lady. They, that, yeah. yeah, she was great. There was another one. I don't know if this was in just in the Houston area. It was Discount Tire. Mm-hmm. And they said, if you don't like our tires, bring them back. And it was an old lady, like a where's the beef lady, throwing a tire through a plate glass window. Uh, <laughs> and just bring it back. Yeah, super yeah. effective. <laughs> I, mean, you rem- I remember that now. Uh-huh. It's like 30 years ago. Yeah. Trust but verify. Remember that? Ronald Reagan would always say trust but verify. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. <laughs> you don't? I mean, you being serious? I'm dead serious. That was kind of his catchphrase. Ronald Reagan had the, had a catchphrase? He did. Well, I mean, he's... I was tear down over. that wall. Remember the press conference he did with Gorbachev, and he said, trust but verify, and Gorbachev started laughing? No. And the press corps, it was like a really kind no. of a weird moment? No, I literally believe you're the only person in the world that's talking about <laughs> I am not. The majority of our listeners know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. And Gorbachev said, you keep repeating that? And he says, I keep wanting you to hear it? <laughs> you know, or something uh-huh. along those lines? No, totally. Yeah, I get, I'm not sure I do remember that. I remember tear down that wall. Tear down that wall. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a catchphrase. Yeah, but I don't trust but verify. No. Trust but verify. All right, <laughs> all our listeners, raise your hand if you've heard <laughs> you of trust, trust but, but verify. Look, see, I told you. <laughs> I told you. Your Everybody, dogs don't count. you're the only. <laughs> you're the only one who doesn't run it. Well, it's a powerful interview because he's going to give you actual words. Yeah, not philosophical ideas about selling. Not catchphrases. Not catchphrases, but like actual words. Statements to put in your copy that works. So if you've got to write a a sales letter at all, if you're going to write an email, if you're going to give a speech, there's some nuggets of gold all up in here. Yeah. And then I actually asked Ray toward the end of the interview, ask him about five questions about email sequences. You know, like how many emails should you be sending out? What should you give away for free and what should you sell? Mm -hmm. All those questions that we all have about marketing. And Ray was kind enough to answer them. So this this episode is going to make y'all some money. Yeah. What if that's our catchphrase? This episode's gonna (laughs) gonna make y'all some money. Story brand's gonna make y'all some money, and then we just throw a tire through our window. Yeah, we can say story brand's gonna make y'all some money. Then an old lady will throw a tire through a window. Yep, it totally makes sense. 
I think it makes complete uh, sense. If you confuse, you lose. Let's put some money into that. <laughs> anyway, here's my conversation with world-famous copywriter Ray Edwards. Ray, it's good to see you. It's good to be here. How does it feel to be the smartest copywriter in the world? I have no idea. <laughs> when I meet that person, I'll let you know. You're widely considered. You're right up there. I mean, you're the only actually professional copywriter celebrity that I can even name. That's not a very big... <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment <laughs> or not. People ask me, they, they say, what is it you do exactly? I say, well, I'm famous to a really small group of people on the internet. <laughs> but extremely esteemed. It's an intimidating thing for a non-writer to sit down and try to figure out what to say to sell this thing. Right? It really is. Yeah, it's scary. And what I like about it is, for me, it's, it's good to be able to write with a very clear purpose, with a very clear outcome that I'm trying to attain. And so that makes the writing easier for me because I know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know, I wrote memoirs for years. I know. Most I listeners them. know that. Now, I loved my memoir writing, but that phase came to an end, that season. I have as much joy writing copy for a client as I do in telling my own story now. See, that's why I like you. It's interesting. You're, you're my kind of person. Not everybody feels that way. I, I don't feel like I'm selling something. I feel like I'm composing a symphony. I know people are laughing. They're pulling over their car right now, and they're laughing. What is wrong with these guys? <laughs> but it does, because you're, you're actually like composing so that people will feel something, and you get a response. And then you don't get a measured response to your memoir. Like People come to you and go, man, I really like that. I read it on the beach on my vacation. But you, <laughs> you don't get like a dashboard. You go, yeah, your revenue increased by 12%. When yeah, you're let, me, let me tell you that. what your memoir did for me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know the tangible return is that maybe i'll know in heaven maybe well we're going to talk about actual words that sell your book is called copy that sells you know you've got a bunch of great stuff in the book but i want to actually get into the phrases that you keep coming back to i mean the stuff that you just go i keep using this phrase and it just works really well the idea came because i was actually trying some stuff out there's a gal named danielle who's an old friend who's staying at our house she's attending a workshop so she's staying with me and betsy and this morning betsy and danielle were in the uh kitchen and i was trying to use sample copy on them to get them to do things in the kitchen so oh gonna... <laughs> that's that's good that's good for your relationship it was, test, it was test marketing how did that work out for you it didn't they both just kept <laughs> looking at me like you're really weird why are you being so weird i was saying things like uh i'm not sure if it's for you but cold brew coffee <laughs> It's really good. You can heat it up in the microwave. And they were like, they would just look at me like, what do you mean I'm not sure it's for you? And I'm literally just trying out different lines. <laughs> so how long did it take them to figure out you were doing something weird? I finally just got so embarrassed and self-conscious, I actually pulled out my little booklet and said, I'm just trying new lines. And then they were like, you're a complete dork. You know, there's books out there that'll give you this stuff. But I want to know from the expert. I want to know what lines you come back to. And in your copy, they just work. So we actually made a little list here. You like start with an if-then statement. What is an if-then statement in copy? Yeah, and these are not only things that I use, but things when I'm teaching people how to write their own copy, I teach right. them this because this is better than giving them like fill-in-the-blanks sentences because that ends up sounding weird. Right. <laughs> yeah. But if you can give a, a phrase that starts off a paragraph, it's usually it's a not, lot easier not, to work It's with. a little bit of a phrase, but it's also just like a concept. You want to embody this concept in your copy. So the if-then is, is really simple. Like if you sell a weight loss product, for example, you might say, if you've tried all kinds of diets and exercise programs, and you bought all the gadgets from TV, and none of it worked, then I've got something I think you're going to be really interested in. Yeah, here's, got it. Here's why. I always end with here's why. Yeah. Because that's the next question. Why am I interested? And then you can just naturally continue the conversation. So a financial advisor would say, if you are tired of not knowing how your financial advisor makes money... Then I've got answers that will explain the whole system to you. I'll explain the whole system to you. And Here's you know. the story. See, that's intriguing. 
Because you're actually starting with a story question. Right. You're opening a story loop and then offering to close it. And what you're not doing is what most people do when they write copy, which is clearing your throat for like a page. Explain that because I hate that. It drives me crazy. When I get amateur copy, but I want the information, and usually I'm thinking of a, a newspaper article because you know, these kids are like 23 years old and they're writing for like the Washington Post and stuff. I'm skipping the first four paragraphs. I'm reading the first three words. They're not getting to the point. 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 Finally, they're talking about what the title of the article is, and I start there. Right, because it's the equivalent of when somebody gets up to speak at a conference, they start with, well, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's really, the food's really great. I've, I've met a lot of great people. Jake it's, is a great guy. Nobody knows who Jake is. Jake right. is a great guy. Some of you know Jake. Jake's great. We went to college together. Jake and I, go Auburn. It's, <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's meaningless to the audience. And we do the same thing in copy. We're, we're, I call it clearing our throat. We're warming up. And it's okay to do that. Just chop it off before you publish it. <laughs> yeah, that's actually good advice. And, and a good way to skip it is with the if-then paragraph. I don't use any preliminary copy in most of the copy that I write. I just start with an if-then. Yeah. If you want outcome X, then you need to know information Y, or you need to have product Y. Here's the story, or here's why, or let me explain. I always say the job of the first sentence is to sell the second sentence. And it continues that way. <laughs> yeah, you just have to keep going, keep going. You've got to hook somebody right away. I think it was Elmore Leonard who said, that they asked him, how do you make your book so readable? And he said, it's easy. I just leave out the parts that people skip. <laughs> so that's all you got to do. But yeah, of course, a genius actually knows the parts that people skip. Well, that's, that's the trick. That's the trick. Yeah, exactly. But you start with those story. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Well, tell me more. What do you mean? What's, you know, there's contrast here. What was best and what was worst? You, you have to keep people going. So the if-then statement, you said something in there, you close that statement with a why, right? Explain that a little bit. What, what do you mean by that? It's well, a transition into the next thought? It's a transition into the next thought. If you're making a claim, you use the here's why. So if the claim gotcha. is, okay. if you want to achieve financial independence, you need to understand the seven principles of financial freedom. Here's why. Because I just made a claim that you're likely to say, no, I don't, or yeah. more likely, why? Why do I need to know that? Yeah, I think you were in the back of the room just 15 minutes ago, 70 people in the next room, and they were giving me sample titles of lead generating PDFs. Yeah, and I one love thing the one. that I kept saying was, you got to get to the why it's important, right? You yep. got to get to the, you're telling me uh, seven ways to make your website more efficient. Why? why? Why do I need an efficient website? You know, seven ways your website is losing you money because it's not efficient. Well, there you go. And I'm this, losing money. This is a tangent, but it's really important. Yeah. Your website is too vague. Who are you talking to? Real estate agents, lawyers, cosmetologists? It's different for each group of people. And so to get specific, you're saying, be yeah, specific. be specific. Yeah, like know who your market is and talk to them. Yeah, it's a good idea. Here's another phrase. We started with the start with an if-then statement, or you can use that anywhere, but it's a good start. Here's another one. If you don't do anything, it gets worse. Yeah, because people, they don't want to do anything. They, we are great creatures. Nobody wants to change. We're great creatures of denial. What we will do is what we've always been doing. And we will expect a different outcome. And it never happens that way. So people, given the opportunity, will stay with the inertia or the, the gravity, which is don't do anything. Just keep doing what I've always been doing and wish that it worked better. Right. And so what I like to do is point out that's a flawed strategy. And I just say, if you don't do anything, it's only going to get worse. And then if I'm teaching students how to write copy, I'll say, now just spell out the ways it's going to get worse because you know it's true. And always in a room full of people, the heads will start nodding. Oh, yeah, it's only going to get worse. <laughs> whatever the business is, whatever yeah. the service is, they know if you don't do something about it, entropy will take over, it'll get worse, it'll deteriorate. It's a way of kind of waking people up. To reality. It fits into the failure category of the story brand framework. You yes. got to point out the negative consequences of not doing business with me or nobody's going to be interested. 
Here's a great example of denial. We know that in any given endeavor, about 3% of people will succeed in that endeavor, whether it's sports, whether it's as an author, whether it's as a business person. So if you have 100 people in the room, that means three of them will succeed. Everybody thinks they're one of the three. <laughs> All 100 people. But yeah. we know 97 of them are wrong. Yeah, yeah. And you got to wake people up to that. Yep. Oh, I love it. I usually okay. just tell them that. It makes them really uncomfortable. <laughs> what most people do, dot, dot, dot. This is another statement that you like to use in copy. What most people do. So in any business, any service, any product that you sell, there's things that most people do to try to solve the problem. Right, or try doesn't to work. Band-aid it that don't work. So I just say, well, what most people do is, and then I list all the stuff that doesn't work. Most people waste enormous amounts of money on lawn care. Or most people try to get weeds out of their lawn by themselves. Or most people... Spend a lot of money on brand advertising that doesn't make any difference in their bottom you. line. Most people buy Facebook ads that are so unclear it's a complete waste of money. Yes, they do. Most people think Facebook ads are a waste of money, but it's because they don't have a clear message. Or let's just write this down. <laughs> Somebody transcribe this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it. But you go negative there. What most people do is, and they make these mistakes, don't do that, use our product or whatever. Right. You know this in whatever your business is. You know the, the solutions that most people try. They're sitting across the table from you saying, well, I've tried this, I've tried this, and next I'm going to try this thing. And you're sitting there shaking your head saying, that's not going to work. I've okay. seen it a thousand times. Yeah. Well, tell them, you ought to them to tell them the truth. That's not going to work. Here are the things that most people do that don't work. Love it. By the way, we're going to give you a link that you can go to on the internet that you can actually get all of this written out and explained. If some of you are trying to pull over and now, take notes. How much are we going to charge for that? It's going to be free. What? What most people do is I'm they charge a lot of money for that. Yeah, but what we're going to do is we're <laughs> going to give it to you for free. <laughs> because if you don't download it, then your business is going to go to, go to publish. Let's just use our stuff. Here's and if you don't download this list, things are going to get worse. Yes, They're absolutely. Worse. But imagine, Ray, if you did download this list of Ray's favorite sales statements. And imagine you could write copy that just sold your product or your services without being pushy, without being salesy. There you go. Imagine that your bottom line increased, your profits increased, your amount of work decreased. Imagine you're able to hire the staff that you want without having to worry about whether you can make payroll every month. Just imagine that. Yeah. Now, what did you just do? You imagined all those things because I told and you, you like to. the word imagine because it's envisioning for people a successful ending to the narrative that you're inviting them into. It's the only language that I know of that you can use that literally you're commanding people to have a picture in their head. And you can phrase it differently. You can say, just picture this, if you will, for a minute. Yeah. Picture yourself or imagine that. And people instantly obey that command. What's the value of them of getting your customer to actually picture it in their head? Because the goal of all advertising and marketing and selling really is to get people to do one thing, to picture the successful outcome that your product will bring them. That's, that's what you really, really want. It's really them sort of programming their subconscious. You read, actually, you're the one who turned me on to the book Psycho-Cybernetics. Did you know you turned me on to that book? I did not know that. It was in an Instagram picture. You had a stack of books that you were reading. That was one of them. I was about to go on a road trip, and I downloaded that audiobook and listened to it all the way from uh, Nashville to Portland. It's amazing, isn't it? But it talks about how if your subconscious is a much stronger guide than you think, but you can program it, and your subconscious will lead you if you program it, and sales copy that says, imagine a beautiful lawn that is better than your neighbor's that you never have to do any work to keep up. You just program their subconscious because they sat and imagined it. Exactly. And they'll head that direction is the point. Yes, because they're going to move toward the outcome they want. All right, here's another phrase. If the only thing you got is... Okay, I love this. <laughs> so you figure out three or four or five valuable things your product does, yeah. and you begin to list them, and you say... If the only thing you got from coming to the StoryBrand workshop was the ability to clarify your message 
so that you can actually tell people what you do instead of being confused about what to say when somebody asks you at a party, what do you do? It'd be worth coming to the workshop. Yeah. If the only thing that coming to the story brand workshop could do was help you make your advertising twice as effective as it is, it'd be worth coming to the workshop. Agreed. If the only thing that coming to the story brand workshop did for you was made your business more profitable this year than it was last year, it would be worth coming to the workshop. Or doubled your revenue or unified your team. or. And then after you've given three or four or five of these, five is probably too much. I usually go with the three. The customer reading this is realizing they're going to get three times the value. You're stacking the value and then you say, but it doesn't do these three things. It doesn't do any one of these three things. It does all three of them and it does the following things as well. So now you've just multiplied the value enormously. You're good. You're good at this. Thank you. I want to go back and rewrite all my emails now. Okay. <laughs> I like that a lot. You said stacking the value. You just said that. Is that a thing? Yes. What is that? So I have a goal when I'm writing copy. I want to convey the impression, and sometimes we do it just explicitly, that whatever they're buying is worth at least 10 times more than what we're charging for it. Because every purchase is a transaction of value. You have something valuable. It's more valuable to me than it is to you, so I'll give you money in exchange for it. So I want to make the exchange easy to make. I want to make it simple, stupid. I mean, we've all had the experience of we've seen something, maybe on late night television, mm-hmm. where we're watching it and we're skeptical at first, then we see more and more value in it. And finally we say, well, I'd have to be an idiot not to buy this. <laughs> I've got to have that. And they do that. If you actually look at infomercials and kind of study them, they keep stacking the value. Yeah. It's not just a dustpan. You can also use it as a Frisbee. You can also use it to cut your hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can cook in it. <laughs> that, I'd buy that. <laughs> I buy that. You cook in it, and then you clean the kitchen with it. And you use it as a dustpan, and you cut your hair in it. It's, it's totally sanitary. I'll be back with the rest of my interview with Ray Edwards in just a moment. Welcome to another segment of Marketing Mythbusters with Kula Callahan, right there in your Wonder Woman pose. Every Hi, time. Kula. Hey, Don. What is today's marketing myth? Today's myth is this. Customers are only motivated by desire. But it's true. What else motivates a customer but (laughs) desire? Don, you have much to learn, young one. This is the thing. Padawan. A a lot of businesses that we work with are convinced that they can't use negative language in their marketing. And here's this is just based on a universal human truth that humans are more motivated to avoid something bad than to experience something good. Well, now I remember reading a study. (laughs) You might be right. Because I read the study that said people are more motivated. This scientific study, if I could talk about it in building a story brand, the scientific study, they found out that people were more motivated to not lose $100 than they were to gain $100. Right. So what does this mean for our customers? It means that you have to establish that there's something at stake for your customers. Right. So in your marketing collateral, if you don't communicate what it is costing your customers to not do business with you, you should. If you're not communicating what tragic result they may experience if yeah. they don't do business with you, you should. Now, there's a caveat to this. You don't want to be gloom and doom in your marketing and scare everyone yeah, away. Yeah, you can overdo it. You can. But it is important to establish that there's something at stake because without anything at stake, there is no story in your customers won't engage. The question we all need to ask ourselves is what are our customers going to miss out on if they don't buy our products? Exactly. What are they going to lose? What opportunity won't they have? What physical thing won't they have? What negative consequence will they be? And people are motivated by that. They're motivated to not lose out on something. And so if you're not including a little spice, a little bit of that 
hey, we just don't want you to have to experience this. Right. Right. If you're not including that, there's no reason to do business with you in your customer's eyes. And we should just say PSA. We're not telling you to be manipulative no. and to trick your customers into doing business with no. you because that's absolutely not what we're It has saying. to be true. And it is true. Yeah. Like your customers are avoiding something bad by hiring you. And Otherwise, you're not in you. business. If you're not solving yep. somebody's problems or keeping somebody from some kind of pain, you ain't selling nothing. That's right. So you got to talk that's about right. it. You got to talk about <laughs> it. All right, Kula. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, again, I talk more about this in my book, Building a Story Brand. You can get it now on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy books. When you buy it, send me your receipt. Forward your receipt to bonus at storybrand.com, bonus at storybrand.com. And I've got a great bonus for you. It's two lectures. One is an audio lecture called The Secret to How Customers Really Think. And the next is a video lecture called Why Customers Really Buy. It's all yours for the $17, $18, whatever they're charging on the internet for this book. It's all yours. Just forward your receipt to bonus at storybrand.com. Here's to growing your company. All right, here's the next phrase. Don't let this happen to you. Oh, man. All you have to do is picture the worst failure. case scenario. I'm going scenario. through this SB7 framework. That's the failure the, category. The embarrassing, the hurtful, the humiliating thing. And I really think it's important for people to realize that there are some basic emotions that we try to avoid when we're engaging in any endeavor. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be humiliated. We don't want to be ashamed. We don't want to be less than. It's one of the worries that we have. So I think it's fair to point out that you don't want to let these things happen to you. And if you keep going down the path you're going down, this is going to happen. You're going to be humiliated. You're going to lose money. You're going to whatever the problem, your health is going to get worse. Your arteries are going to be clogged. Don't let this happen to you because yeah. people are already afraid it will. They're just trying to deny it. It's one of the hardest things to do. I read a study that said when you're trying to convince somebody to do something that doesn't benefit them now, it benefits them in the future. Mm -hmm. The brain processes your future self as literally another human being. Yeah. And so it's hard to motivate somebody to well, do that. And, and you know, I mean, we, we all have done this. The doctor says your blood pressure is a little high. You need to cut the salt or whatever. And you're just kind of going, you know, you could have a heart attack many years from now. And you're kind of going, well, that's many years. Who's that dude, right? Your subconscious is tricking you. Yeah. So is this a way of kind of waking people up to... You, to you, their future? Especially if you're selling something that prevents a future problem from happening. It's a hard thing to sell. Anything that Prevention is, a mentor of mine says, it's a lot easier to sell headache pills than it is to sell vitamins. <laughs> and even <laughs> if you buy so vitamins, true. you won't take them. Yeah. You buy headache so pills, true. you'll take them when you have a headache. Yeah. So if you're, if you're selling prevention, you've got to make the reality of the pain present right now. Well, you can actually combine these two. You know, don't let this happen to you, combined with sort of this idea of, I want you to picture what life could be like if you don't do this. Exactly. And so one of the ways, like I've written for a lot of preventative health products. Yeah. This is going to sound terrible. One of the things I've used time and time again that's very effective is to say something like this. If you don't take care of your heart by using this exercise regimen or taking this supplement, imagine this. Your granddaughter, your eight-year-old granddaughter is standing in front of your coffin. <laughs> wow. You looking, actually go that far? Yes. Looking at your cold, dead body. <laughs> My goodness, Ray. How could you do that to her? Oh my goodness, Ray, Ray. <laughs> but it's, but it, you have to ask yourself, is it true? I guess you could justify that because you're actually trying to save this guy's life. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, we're going to exactly. be, we're going to strong yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the same kind of language if we're talking about hair replacement. You're a remote control, a universal remote control. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe in that case, because those things are really frustrating. <laughs> they are, yeah. I love it. Don't let this happen to you. There is a study, I actually get into it in, in my book, that talks about, how at some point, if you go too negative, people go into denial. They'll check out. 
So there's this fine line. I don't know what the line is. It's actually contextual. It's not subjective, but it is contextual. Like if you make people think that it's going to be this bad, they just won't go there. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And if Have you, you ever had to play with that line and back yes. it off a little bit? Yeah, I, this is why I think it's important as a business person that you actually talk to your customers every once in a while and right. you have these conversations <laughs> yeah. with them because yeah. you can look in their eyes when you get to that point in the conversation where they're starting to deny what you're trying to tell them. You can see it on their face. They check out. They're out of the conversation because they don't want to hear what you're telling them. And the only way I've really found to really know that is to have enough conversations with people that you actually kind of figure out this is how far I can go with this. And by the way, I want to say one more thing. Yeah. You keep mentioning your book, which I've read. It's going on my list of must-have marketing books. Right. I have, a, I have a short list of books. People say, well, what should I read? And I give them this list of books, and your book is going to be on there because it's, it's brilliant. I appreciate that of, very much. It kind of annoys me because I wish I had written it. <laughs> well, you say that, but we actually give your book out to every one of our clients in the room right there. That's why I'm okay with Thank it. Thank you for that. That's very kind of you. Uh, I think we feel the same way about each other's books. But people are going to suspect that this is an infomercial if we don't keep moving on. But wait, there's more. What if is the next statement. What if X? This is a way of getting people to picture those negative consequences without crossing that line, without pushing too hard. Yeah. You let them come up with a negative consequence. What if you don't solve this problem? What if you don't take care it's of... another way of causing this? them to imagine. Yes. It's a less direct. It feels less pushy. Yeah. But you just ask, well, what if? What will happen if you tell me? I don't know. You know your business. You know your life. You know your relationship. Yeah. What if you don't solve this? What if you just keep doing what you've been doing? What will happen? What will be the outcome? Really take a minute. Sometimes I'll, I'll say um, in the copy, I'll say, take a moment, set this copy aside, set this ad aside, set this website aside, and get out your journal and just write out what will happen if I don't take care of this. Yeah, that's strong. Let them work on it. And they'll come up with their own reasons that will be much worse than anything you could come up with. Right. <laughs> okay, finally, you're standing at the crossroads. Okay, I know. Now, people, come on, that sounds cheesy. It does sound cheesy. <laughs> it sounds cheesy to me. It sounds like church camp when we were 12 years old. But there's a reason why they do that in church camp. Because it works. Because it works. <laughs> Get those all heads bowed. They didn't do that in church up. camp when we were kids. The Southern Baptist Convention wouldn't even exist. Exactly. That's how they keep it going. I know it sounds cheesy, but it works like crazy. You just say you're standing at a crossroads. Or sometimes Is this at say, the end of the letter? We're kind of at the end. end. You're getting them to make a decision. Because they really are at a crossroads. You don't have to use the word crossroads. You can say, I, sometimes you're I at say, a point now where you're going to have to make a decision. Yeah, so exactly. Sometimes I just say, it's decision time. Oh, there you go. You can decide to disregard everything that we've talked about here, or you can decide to do something about it. What kind of person are you? I like this because one of the things that I tell our clients is you've got to give the customer something to accept or reject. Yes. You just have to. I learned that in my late 30s dating. <laughs> okay, so explain. Well, I want to hear more a, about that. Everything before that is a tragic story. <laughs> I got married at 42. I think most of my audience knows that. But it finally, I was like, no, if you want to ask her out, ask her out. Like, say, you want to go to date? I'd love to spend some time with you. I didn't do any of that. I was, I was more like, uh, you, you like coffee? Coffee's good. I like coffee, too. You know, this is some of my papa's wisdom. He said to me <laughs> one time, Ray, everything's obvious once you understand it. <laughs> but that idea of giving somebody something to accept or reject. And the part that I like most, the part that's so, so comforting about that advice, is actually the reject part. Because you're actually saying some people are going to reject this and it's okay. But nobody can make a decision if you're not actually giving them a decision to make. So yeah. you're standing at a crossroads. You have to make a decision now. Yeah, and so the crossroads thing, I'll, I'll walk through that and I'll tell you a couple of alternatives you can use. The crossroads thing is you're standing at a crossroads. On the road to the left is the way you've been doing things. And you know what that road's like. It's, you can go as cheesy as you want to with this. Yeah. Nobody has ever called me on it. You can say it's rough, it's rocky, it's full of pitfalls. There's places where you can fall off a cliff. 
Or you can feel like life is hopeless. You can take the road to the right, which is smooth and paved and leads to a a sunny valley. (laughs) So which is going to be? That's the actual copy that you'll say, or do you get into the specifics of the product? I get into the specifics of the product. I don't say a sunny valley. I I was being cheeky there. Selling ranch. But I will eventually say, choose the right road. It's a moral obligation now for you to do this. Yes, it is. (laughs) It really is. Well, if you're selling vitamins or preventive care, or you know, you can actually position it that way. So it's the right thing for you to do is take care of your body. It really is what you said. It's you're giving them something to reject or how did you say it? Accept or reject. Accept or reject. So you could say it's decision time. You can make a decision to do nothing, which is in itself a decision, or you can decide to change the way you've been doing things. Which kind of person are you? Yeah. So now you're not asking them to buy or not buy a product. You're asking them what kind of person are you? Are you the kind of person who solves this problem, or are you the kind of person who doesn't? Love it. All right, if you want the full list, it's available to you at storybrand.com slash words. That's storybrand.com slash words. And we will give you a, a list of these, looks like eight statements that are really powerful. And we'll actually kind of explain them a little bit and give you some context for them. And so you can pick that up. That's free from us. Imagine if you downloaded that and used it in your copy to reach more customers. And what if you don't? What would it cost you if you don't learn how to use these phrases? Yeah, and if you only got the first couple phrases, how much would that be worth? But we have to stop. <laughs> I feel like our audience is at a crossroads, though. <laughs> they have to it's, either decide. It's decision time. They have to decide to download this or not. That's at storybrand.com slash words. I've got some more questions for you, though, because I get these questions a lot about email marketing. I try to convince all of our clients, you need to do email marketing. Even though a lot of people are doing it now, The market is not diluted. And quite honestly, the more people do it, the less emails you're going to get, but the more valuable those email addresses are because they're not signing up for anything, but they gave you their email address. They want you to sell them something. Yes. So in our email marketing, using this copy, that these ideas that you've generated, I've got a few questions. How do you keep from being too salesy in this copy? It's a big concern for a lot of clients. They don't want to be the infomercial guy screaming, call now, call now. Well, the short answer is somebody's always going to think you're too salesy. But those are the people who probably weren't going to buy from you anyway. You just have to decide that it doesn't matter. I mean, not that you don't care about the people, not that you're not trying to be nice to people, but we're in business and it's, it's a matter of, are you going to do business with me or not? That's why we have this email list. And what helped me get over it was folks who came through StoryBrand, I watched what happened to their businesses. And so if somebody says, you know, you're being too salesy. I'm like, well, if I'm not salesy, I can't help this person double their revenue and hire more people and pay off their debt. And I'm doing this so this, these people can do this. this I really felt that way. This is good because in our workshops, one of the things we do is we go through this exercise and we ask people who have this objection. They say, well, I don't want to be a pushy salesman. And I'll just say, well, think of the person that you helped the most or yeah. the business you've helped the most. Yeah. Think about all the changes you made in their life or their business or their relationship or whatever it is you do. And think about where would they be if you hadn't come along and done what you did for them. Yeah. And then multiply that times 1,000 or 10,000. How can you possibly stand there and tell me it's okay to rob those people of that same experience? Right. That'll get you over it. Another thing that gets me over it is the people that I'm really talking to, they're opening this email, and from pretty much the first few sentences, they know this is a sales email. And they're going to keep reading it because they're saying, okay, Miller, sell me on your product. You yes. know, and I'm like, well, then I will. This is something that I wish more people would realize. When somebody comes to your website, like when they come to the StoryBrand website, uh-huh. they're already on your side. They want you to be right about StoryBrand. They're saying, argue your point, Miller. So, How is this going to help? Me? So you're at bat. You need to swing. Yeah, I love it. So in other words, how do you keep from being too salesy? Well, I think the statements that you are using here are nice. They do keep you from being too salesy. But the reality is you're going to have to get over it. You're going to have to be salesy. Well, you do. And then there's, there's a further answer to the question. That okay. is you get to know your customers, people who are going to buy from you. Get to know them. Because you've got to speak differently to 
the shop foreman at an auto shop than you do to a physician who runs a clinic with 10 doctors working for him or her. Gotcha, yeah. So you have to know the language that works for that group too. That's important. Okay, next question. How many emails should we send in a sequence? I get this all the time. So somebody downloads a lead generating PDF. I've got their email address. or they signed up for a newsletter? Please don't do a newsletter. There's so many better ways to do it. But anyway, you know, they signed up. I got their email address. How often should I email them? How many times should I email them? And I know the answer to this, but what do you think? Until they buy something. <laughs> you just keep going. There's a saying in the direct marketing business. This is kind of funny, but there's some truth in it. It's you email until they buy, fly, or die. <laughs> fly is unsubscribed. Right? right, exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't think I would go quite that far, but um, more often than you think is probably the answer. It's Every you, three days? At least. Because Wow, so you're doing it more often than that. Yes, because if you don't, if like some people will get people on a list and they'll email them once a month. Well, that's a good way to get spam complaints because by the time a month right. goes by, they've forgotten who you are. Right. They don't even realize yeah. they signed up for the thing. Yeah. The point of having them on an email list is to warm up the relationship and get them to know, like, and trust you or to get them to understand you have the solution to their problem, at which point it doesn't matter whether they know, like, and trust you or not. They just want the solution. Yep. And I don't really worry about people unsubscribing. I mean, you know, you... Michael Hyatt, Jeff Walker. I get tons of email from you guys. I don't unsubscribe. I bet you I open 10, 15% of those emails. Yep. yep. But the 10 or 15% of the reason I'm staying on the list is valuable content. The email comes in, you scan it, you go, I don't need to read that one. You yep. do that maybe or five or six times. You just look at the subject and go, no, this was not for But me. then one catches your eye and you read it. And that's how most people do it. But the power of that, though, Ray, is your name is showing up on my iPhone often, and I'm constantly being reminded that you exist, which even if I don't read your email, there's extreme value there. Yes. Because as soon as I go, man, I need a copywriter, I need someone to help me figure this out. Oh, that's Ray. That's Ray. And if you would have disappeared from my iPhone for a year, it probably would be somebody else. So even if they're not opening your email, it's important. Exactly. All right. So email often and email until people die. How long should the emails be? Long enough to cover the subject, but short enough to keep their interest. <laughs> it depends on how good you are is the yes. answer to that question. People always think I'm being evasive, but it, it needs to be as long as it needs to be and no longer. You're famous for some long emails. Yes. Because you came out of the direct marketing mail world where somebody would sit down in their lazy boy chair and give you 35 minutes to go through this letter. And especially if you're selling a higher priced product or service, people will take that time if you're interesting enough. So my phrase that I, I like to use is, there's never an email that's too long. There's only email that's too boring. I love it. And I love that you're disproving the market because everybody's going shorter. A lot of people are going video and you do video too and you do short emails too. But you'll still throw in these epic long emails and they're incredibly effective. Can I tell you a quick little story? I would love that, yeah. We sold out a workshop. I won't go into that. That's not the point. But we sold out a workshop, 12 people, $5,000 a ticket. We sold it out in six days. We did it with nothing but I think five long emails. No videos. Was it a copywriting workshop? Yep. I would have done that. I would have paid five grand for that. When was it? I could get you in. Is it, has it not happened yet? Nope. When is it? Are you being serious? End of this month. I would do that. See, you just illustrated the point. You're interested in copywriting. So you would come to a workshop. You would read a long sales letter. You would read a long email because you're interested. And it's also about knowing your market because I wrote this to writers. And what do writers like to do? They like to write and they like to read. Yeah. So this is where knowing your audience is really important. Okay. Well, how long should emails be then? They should just be interesting is the answer to that question. They should be interesting and they should be as long as necessary, but as short as possible. Okay. When should we give away free content and when should we charge for it? So the question is really what content to give away and what content to charge for. And the real answer is give away the what, but charge for the how. Okay. The how is you're going to actually help me implement it. 
What's the what, though? What, what's the part? I know this like? is kind of meta because we keep using StoryBrand yeah. as an example, but let's say you're a financial advisor and you give workshops on how to invest for your retirement and recover from the market crash and make up a lot of lost ground. So you tell people what to do and you tell them, well, invest in... I know nothing about investing, so do not take my advice right now. <laughs> this is just an example. Yeah. Invest in commodities. Okay. I just told you what to do. And invest in an amount every month. Oh, gotcha. And have a system. And I told you what to do, but I didn't tell you how to do it. So if I were writing copy, I'd tell you what to do. I'd say you clarify your message because your website isn't working once you have a clear message, but then come to our workshop to learn how. Yeah, and what do people always want to know when you tell them your basic stuff about StoryBrand? You clarify your message, you simplify your website, you need a button that says buy now. Right. But they always want to know, well, how do I do that? Where does that go? What does it look like? Yeah, and you walk That's them the how, that. yeah. So if you're a dentist, it's, here's what it takes to look good. And here's how you can do it, Invisalign braces or whatever, you know, yep. all that kind of stuff. You give away the what, you sell the how. Exactly. Okay, right. Tell me a conversion story. You've worked with so many companies now. Give me a, an example of somebody who walked in, they weren't doing any sort of email marketing, their copy was terrible, and you worked with them and what happened? Because I think this is super important for the people listening to this. They're not going to execute. And I want you to know, you, if you create an email marketing system, and you execute it, it will grow your business if you do it right. So I'll give you one example. I told you earlier that I wrote a lot of copy for people in the alternative health markets. Right. And I had one client who wrote little um, guides on how to treat your health problems with homeopathic remedies and natural solutions and things like that. So you'd think that's probably not a really big market. And he had a product on diabetes. And basically the product was don't eat a lot of carbs and right, don't eat yeah. sugar. Yeah. You know, all the stuff that nobody wants to do who has diabetes, why they get diabetes in the first place. Right. No judgment. I, I understand that sometimes you just can't help it. Anyway, so I wrote the copy for him and we wrote emails for this guy and he went from, it was his lowest selling product. He sold like 38 products that time. This was the lowest selling product on his list and it went to his number one product. It's like a $40 book. He sold $10 million worth of this book. Holy mackerel. And he just emails was for it. Was this direct mail or email? Is this email? email. Email. He sends email for it every week now. And it's still his number one selling product week after Went week after Went from the very week. bottom, his book that he thought was a dud that nobody was interested in. Yes. And now he sold $10 million worth it's, of these It's things. over $10 million now, but I haven't checked with him in the last six months. That's really incredible. And it's all from just sitting down, writing really great copy, letting people know what the consequences of not buying this are, what their life would look like if they did. And, and writing a really great and really long email follow-up sequence. That keeps them interested, interested, interested. Yep. And then he, I'm sure he on-ramps them to a number of other products. Mm -hmm. He's doing really well. He is. And I wish saved, I'd negotiated better deal. Lives. Yeah, yeah. We all wish that after we work <laughs> with these folks. Well, Ray, I think you give some of those practical advice on the planet when it comes to writing copy. And it's always an honor when you come by StoryBrand. We really do give away Ray's book, Copy That Sells, to every StoryBrand live client who comes to our workshop. It's one of the books that we give away because we just believe in what you're doing. Ray and I also have a course called the StoryBrand Marketing Roadmap. You can find that at storybrand.com slash roadmap. We actually walk you through how to create a sales funnel. This is just a tiny taste of what's actually in that course. If you're thinking about creating a sales funnel, definitely pick it up, storybrand.com slash roadmap. Ray, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, there you go, JJ. Yeah. I've already started using them. <laughs> I wanted to go back and write, because we've got some emails going out fairly soon. I wanted to go back and rewrite them based on just that interview. Uh -huh. <laughs> that really is gold. Like People yeah. don't understand. Yeah. He's been doing this for a long time. I've been writing copy for a long time, really successfully. 
every one of those I'm just going to steal. Yeah, <laughs> as you should. Yeah, I mean, well, he gave them to yeah, us. I don't guess it's stealing. No, it's if you just left it, it yeah. on the table and looked away for a second. I think we can grab <laughs> no, that. No, he gave it to us. It was a gift. It was a gift. Well, speaking of looking at a blank page and not knowing what to say, yeah. my new book, Building a Story Brand, comes out October 10th. Yes. And it's specifically for people who just have trouble saying, here's what I do. They have trouble positioning themselves in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. They have trouble talking about their business in such a way that everybody around them wants to hand them their business card. Yeah. And I'm absolutely convinced this is the biggest problem in business today, or at least one of the biggest problems. If you have a moderately successful business and it's not exploding like it should, and if you think there's some potential there for growth, but it isn't happening, it's probably because the way you're talking about your business. People buy things, JJ, I think you'd agree, because they read words that make them want to buy things. Yeah. And we've seen over and over, well, we just heard today the young lady who said she went through StoryBrand and she changed her website. I actually wrote it down. A 417% increase in overall revenue. And she had a great website now. Like I saw it. Yeah, it yeah, was we really saw it. Good. It was great. Yeah. 417. Why? Because she started using words that people actually, when they read them, they wanted to buy the product. Yeah. And if you're not doing that, you're selling yourself short. Another, Fitzy up in Canada, human resources, you basically can job out your human resources division mm -hmm. to this company. They do job placement ads and those sort of things. They've been in business for a long time. They make a lot of money. They went through StoryBrand, clarified their message, and in seven months saw a 118% <laughs> increase. They more than doubled their revenue. I and then, love um, that. I, I also think that. of Alan Reed with uh -huh. Reed's Dairy. Yep. In, where is he? It's in Idaho, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. He sells ice cream. He's, he's like an independent milk guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He actually <laughs> yeah. He delivers. He's like the milkman still yeah, exists. he delivers milk to your door. There's one day of the year where he sells coupons. Mm -hmm. He sends out an email. If you want to buy a year's worth of milk coupons, he will deliver milk to your door if you buy these coupons. He sells about $3,000 worth of coupons every year. Took StoryBrand, clarified his message, sent out the email, and sold $52,000 yeah. in milk coupons. <laughs> I'm telling you... It's just money yeah. hanging on trees. And if you want to grow your business, you got to start talking about your products the right way. Building a story brand, my new book does that. Listen, it's out in just a few days. You're going to get it not long after you order it. But when you get your receipt after pre-ordering it from Amazon.com, forward that receipt to bonus at storybrand.com. And I mean this. You can actually go order the book right now. They send you a receipt. Forward the receipt to bonus at storybrand.com. And I'm going to send you an audio lecture called The Secret to How Customers Think. Now, this is a lecture that I gave to an exclusive group in Orlando, Florida, I think, early this year, if not late last year. People paid a ton of money to be there. It was part of a different conference, and I was one of the speakers. They recorded it. I just thought it was great. You were there. Yeah, I loved and, it. And it's just very practical stuff that you can do to grow your company. And then another video called Why Customers Buy. And what that is, you know, every month, between 30 and 50 business leaders pay three grand to attend a workshop in Nashville. And we just said, look, if we're going to give away the books, there's a lot of people who can't afford to come. If people are going to buy the book, we want to give them the first hour or so of that time. So you don't have to pay $3,000. You can actually watch the first hour of the workshop and just watch what we do. And you get exclusive access to that all if you pre-order the book. Again, the book is called Building a Story Brand by me, Donald Miller. Get it on Amazon. Get it on Barnes & Noble. When you get that receipt, forward it to bonus at storybrand.com, and we will load you up with these bonuses. I'm telling you, if your business isn't growing, but you got a great product, it's probably because you're not talking about your business the right way. Well, 
Next week on the podcast, we have one of my favorite human beings alive. Love him yeah. to death. A lot of people will remember him just from the Christmas episode. Yeah. Al Andrews is a therapist in town. Sometimes he writes little stories, and we brought him on yeah. to read this rather <laughs> the cryptic, cri- yes. the most cryptic Christmas story I've ever heard. He's been- One of my favorites <laughs> of all time. We still get people commenting about that, yeah. and it's the Christmas episode. Yeah, I gave it to friends in Christmas cards Actually, and it's some sort of movie animation studio it's called it. There. Yeah, they're trying to make some animated yeah. little Not short trying, story It's happening. That's incredible. But anyway, what Al does in his real life is he's a therapist. And he's a therapist to celebrities. I mean, sort of like front men in bands, uh, women who have a huge following. He really works with people who have a unique life experience that puts a lot of pressure on them. Yeah. And he's done this for years. And some of you listening, you're beginning to succeed, especially if you're StoryBrand alumni. People are buying your stuff, and they're starting to listen to you, and you're probably getting a big head. (laughs) (laughs) And Al's going to tell you, you're heading for a train wreck here if your ego gets too much in the way. And so those of you who uh, have become a little bit influential, and if you even suspect that you might be one of those people, you are. I'm not talking about world-famous stuff. I'm talking about people looking to you and modeling their life after you. And most of us are in that boat, especially if you listen to this podcast. And Al just has some words of wisdom for those of us who have influence. I want to play you a little clip of my conversation with Al Andrews. Let's talk about leaders. They're busy people. Right. Their lives are full. There's not a second. You, you hear the complaints all the time. I just don't have time to do everything. I'm in charge of everything. I don't, and then I have to go home and do that. And it gets really big. And so... Um, I, I thought one day about the time my family went to New York City, and every time mm-hmm. I go to New York City, I'm overwhelmed by the size of Central Park. And I thought one time, I looked at this map and I thought, can you believe that way back in the late 1700s, early 1800s, somebody had the forethought to build a park that big? Wow, yeah. But if you think it wouldn't have made a lot of sense at that time. It, to me, it didn't, but that huge, and they had the fort to plant those trees that are now huge to build that. And they built it because they knew that without space in a city that was going to be that large, without that space, the city would implode. Mm. And if you think about it, if somebody built over Central Park right now, I really believe the city would implode because they know they need it would the be space. A, it would be a dead city. And so I, I find that many leaders are living life like a New Yorker without Central Park. Well, there you go. I love that. Man. I wonder how many lives he saved. Seriously. I mean, it's, it's it's countless now. Yeah. Not just lives, but you know, families that would have split up and. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. He's an amazing guy. It's a beautiful, beautiful interview. It's our gift to you next week on the podcast. By the way, if you haven't subscribed, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the Building a Story Brand podcast. That way you're always reminded every week when we've got a new episode out. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's new record, Dive Deep, on Spotify or iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.